Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Well, I know this is... This is Brandon Ford's second visit to the RiderFlex podcast, which I'm honored to have him back on. Love his story. By the way, for the listeners, in case you didn't uh, catch his first interview, I'd go back and listen to the first one. Uh, we probably won't touch on as much early personal life on this visit, but the first one, just everything he did from uh, uh, grinding when he was in, in high school to get into Columbia and then, you know, then went into the Marines, then went into then went to Columbia uh, and then went to law school and busting ass all the way through it. And didn't, didn't come from no trust fund family, no trust fund baby, just kicked ass. Then went out to Colorado and worked in hotels and just uh, it's a great early inspirational story on how you got through some of your early accomplishments in life. So for the listeners, go back and listen to, uh, uh, Brandon Ford visit number one to catch up on some of that personal stuff, but give us a, Give us the update on Trip Hero, man. Tell me, on the last we talked, I think about a year ago, something like that. Uh, it was before COVID. It was right before COVID. Right before COVID, right? And I and I remember, you know, several guests we had on the show were more affected than others. And I remember thinking about you, like, holy shit, okay, well, what's he doing? That's he, that's got to be crushing him. So, anyway, give us an update, Brandon. Tell us how the business is doing now, and then we'll also roll into how you got through COVID. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so business right now uh, is doing great. Uh, we're, you know, in the middle of a big expansion to several more ski resorts. We're doing a cool. uh, a big expansion into Aspen, uh, possibly Scottsdale. Uh, so uh, working on that. And okay. like I said, we're, you know, the, so COVID obviously hit and it was scary for us because we're in the travel business, right? We require <laughs> on people traveling. Um, yes. But it ended up being, it's going to end up probably long-term. Obviously, short-term, it was tough. Uh, but long-term, it's probably going to be one of the best things that ever happened to us. In that, really? Yeah. The travel the travel market has changed. You know, people are more, as they travel, uh, looking for convenience. Um, you know, not looking to be in the airport long, not looking to be in, in long lines. Uh -huh. um, you know, planning their trips, you know, for longer planning them further ahead and for longer periods. So they're bringing mm. more stuff. Um, so a lot of the trends um, have really are going to be great for us long-term. As far as partner side, the B2C side, that side's exploding. Uh, you know, the hotels are having trouble with being getting back to full staff. They're still mm. not bringing in all the revenue that they used to be with the big groups and things like that. So they're looking for ways to cut costs. And for them, for the hotel, we can save them, a lot of money and save them employee time. So it's a win-win for them. And uh, they are interested as well in providing more convenience to their potential guests. So um, 
this is going to be really good for us long term. Are you already so for 2021? Will will 2021 beat 2019 revenues for you? 2021 will be about even uh, to 2019. Yeah, to 2019. Yep. But okay. we got back. You know, as far as the ski ski seasons go, you know, because we're still highly concentrated in ski areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, by March of last year, we were back to pre-COVID levels. Oh, you were? Okay. All right. Yeah. And All we right. think this year is going to actually, you know, we take, we do our years, but kind of 21, 22, kind of the ski season years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, oh, we think this is going to be a bump. It's going to be, it's going to be back uh, actually a little bit above than what it was. Congratulations and congratulations on making it through COVID, especially being in the shipping hospitality business. What was that like for you, my friend, when they uh, started shutting down stuff? And w- walk us through some of those uh, fun evenings. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was it was really interesting. You know, we were lucky because we you know we're headquartered in Vail, Vail Beaver Creek area, uh, and the, and Vail was actually hit hard, really really early. So um, there was a big outbreak during the Burton uh, U.S. Open, which is a big snowboarding event every year in Vail that occurs in late February. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're talking, you know, second, third week of February, the numbers in Vail started skyrocketing. I think it was a couple of weeks after that first, those first cases in Seattle, but we were only a couple of weeks past there. So mm-hmm. we kind of, we, we saw the writing on the wall by the end of February. We literally, we shut our operations down March 6th. So a week before the national shutdown. So uh, we were able to get ahead of it. We saw the writing on the wall. We saw the cases exploding in, mm-hmm. um, in Vail. And we saw just the, the panic occurring through throughout the travel industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that was a tight period and obviously really scary. I mean, it's, you know, who knows, knew what was going to happen. A lot of stuff was uh, still up in the air back then as far as how it spread and you know, the distances and whether, whether or not to wear a mask or whether to wear a mask and, and things like that. So it was, you know, every couple hours, the story was changing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went like most businesses, we went into uh, preserve assets, preserve cash mode. Um, and by, by starting early, you know, March, the first week of March, we were able to uh, not really lose much. You know, unfortunately we, we were quick and, 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 and communicating with our, our employees. Uh, okay. It didn't hit them too bad because, you know, their, their season's up anyway at the end of March. So it's kind of like a month buffer for them. So we paid them a severance um, to put them into what basically what their period of time would have been anyway. I see. Um, and we were able to, to, to get ahead of that. And then basically for, you know, the spring and occurred, you know, May and late April is our off season anyway. So during them, we were basically just holding our, crossing our fingers <laughs> and trying to come up with a plan. But uh, we were able to preserve cash pretty well. And then, you know, the government programs with PPP and stuff were able to keep mm-hmm. people. We got people back, you know, I think it was the 28th of May, so Memorial Weekend. We brought, you know, the full-time people back with the PPP money. We were able to keep those people employed, et cetera. We had some people, we had quite a few people. Uh, and that's probably what's happening with you in the recruiting businesses. We had some people do, you know, do make life-changing decisions. My co-founder decided mm. to leave. Uh, ah. She went to spend more time with her kids. And another person, it was the third person on, 
uh, decided to leave because he wanted to spend more time with his family uh, traveling back and forth between Michigan and Florida mm. and stuff. So mm. we had a lot of turnover in that people, you know, a lot of people moved from the mountains back home to be close to their family. We had several people move back to like one person moved back to Michigan, one person moved back to Minnesota, um, et cetera. So uh, I think it was a time for people to think a lot about mm-hmm. what they wanted to do with their, their lives, you know, mm-hmm. really refocus on what was important. Was there any moments where you thought, okay, this it's over. This is not going to work. Hospitality is not going to come back. I got to find something else to do. Or you, you know, were, were there any scary moments like that where you're talking to your wife thinking, holy shit, this, this, this could be it. <laughs> No, I'm, 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 I'm lucky there. I didn't. Uh, okay. Yeah. That like from how I grew up and what I had, to, what I've, right. you know, the challenges I had in the past, like it was in perspective, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, you know, so that was, I'm really thankful for having those past experiences this year, more than any year in my life, really. Cause it, you know, I know it wasn't going to be the end of the world. Uh, no matter what happened, I was going to figure out a way to get through it. Uh, I knew the problem still existed and I anticipated the problem was going to be even worse. And like I said, as soon as the reopening, the first reopening happened uh, in, in summer of uh, 2020, uh, hotels started reaching out to us even more. Uh, so it made me re- reaffirm my commitment to the, to the idea. Um, and, you know, the doubts and stuff really didn't come in. And I got to give credit a lot of that to uh, a team of invest- investors, uh, sp- particularly a team of investors that, you know, really dug in Ian Widmer from progression brands group, uh, Pat McElvain, mm. formerly of Oakley, uh, Danny mm. Clay, formerly of Dekine, uh, uh, Bob Anderson, formerly of Hunter Honeywell and Greenfield Ventures. They, these guys were basically called me up like Brandon, let's huddle every week. Uh, let's look for opportunities here and every challenge becomes an opportunity. Uh, so we really, with their mentorship and their guidance, we were able to uh, really refocus and kind of we brand we kind of internally branded it as uh, this gives us the opportunity of uh, coming out with Trip Hero 2.0. Mm. You know, when you're a three-year-old company and you're growing, doubling and tripling every year, you're kind of playing catch up. And you know, th- these couple months of downtime gave us time to catch up. So it was, in a way, uh, you know, uh, we were able to use it in, a, in an effective way. Your ability to network and meet the right people, investors, people with knowledge, experience, people with cash, your ability to do that really just blew me away. I I, I listened to our first interview this morning, you know, getting ready, uh, spending some time getting ready for work this morning on the treadmill. I listened to our first interview and I thought, man, he, he he went out to Vail, didn't know a soul and Next thing you know, he's he's starting up conversations and networking with with people that, that can give him advice and help him and write checks for investments. I that's wonderful. Your ability to network is is a key learning piece for anybody listening. Your hustle, your hustle and your networking ability is top notch, my friend. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, Appreciate yeah, it. And yeah. Again, like growing up, moving around a lot, going to different schools. Uh, moving from different cities, et cetera, that, mm-hmm. you know, you got, you have to, like, you're going to, in a new class and you, 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 you know, with knowing no one and, you know, uh, <laughs> you got to make friends and you got to learn how to be comfortable in different situations. So that's, I'm proud. I'm, I'm happy for that. You know, one of the things I pride myself on is I can talk to anyone. I can go, uh, uh, 
you know, somewhere in the middle of downtown city and, you know, talk to someone on the street and then go into a boardroom and talk to the same people. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I see, I, I can see you doing that. You, you could go to a blue collar, pretty hardcore bar and grill and have a conversation with a guy, no problem. And then go right over to a white tie dinner down in Cherry Creek. You, you could do both of them pretty easily. I'm, I'm almost positive. Yeah. And I, I purposely do that. Like when I travel, I purposely try to go to local places and, you know, talk to the local people, whether it's Vernal, Utah, or, uh, you know, Taos, New Mexico, or, you know, an Indian reservation that I'm driving through. Like, yeah. um, that, I, that's something that I've, I've, I had mentors from when I was young to challenge me to do that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's definitely something that's, I'm, I'm happy to have that ability because you learn so much and, you know, just going with curiosity and being yourself. That's the key, right? You know, I don't, I don't try to dress up to go into a bar in Vernal. I just dress how I'm dressed. Take <laughs> me as I am, you know, you know, you, yeah, you're probably even better at that than me. I, I was in, Vail. I consider myself a pretty good people person, but I'm thinking you're a notch above me. I was in Vail recently. I should I should have called to see if you were there. I, I didn't, we were there to see uh, the comedian Sebastian Manikowsko was was uh, was oh, in Vail. Nice. Uh, we came up to see him. We didn't stay the night, but uh, we were there. We did come up early enough to have dinner before the show. Buddy, I f- I forgot how many wealthy people live there. <laughs> when yeah. I, I went to dinner. When Kim and I went to dinner, and we were at a restaurant, and I told Kim, I'm like, wow, oof, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm at a place here a little bit. I, I, I got to get back down with my people. <laughs> yeah, you're, pretty, you're right up there with them. You're an entrepreneur. You're, most, of the, most of the people in Vail, that's what's great about it. Uh, and yeah. A lot of these mountains is like, you know, these people mostly, we're not talking trust to, I mean, that happens, like where people yeah. you know, haven't worked their lives and stuff, but you get some great inspiring stories of people starting from nothing and creating mm. great companies. It's great to be around people like that, isn't it? There's just so many things you can learn. They talk about all the trials and tribulations and everything they 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 went through. Uh, are, did you guys raise any more cash? Have you had another round, or where, where are you? Are you raising now, or where are you at with cash raise? So we uh, we had an internal round from existing investors uh, last year that uh, you know to get us okay. through the you know uncertain okay. times. Uh, but you know we're still working on. Uh, doing another round, but you know, that's, that's a kind of the big update is part of, you know, I was down there as part of COVID. Uh, I was in the hotels delivering packages. I was driving the truck. Everybody on my team, including my wife and daughter got COVID. I'm the only person that didn't get it. I had over 11 tests, never had it. I was exposed many, many times uh, and had got tested and stuff. And I, luckily, I got. I was really early on getting the vaccine, um, so you know. But that time gave me the opportunity to do jobs I hadn't done in a couple of years. So mm. I was delivering bags, I was talking to the GMs, I was talking to the front desk manager, I was talking to the teams at the hotels, and most importantly, the customers. And you know, uh, we had a lot of smaller hotels reach out to us because they were having the same mm. problems. You know. Mm. People in last summer, people were coming and they were booking for a month to stay in Vail or Aspen. I uh, see. And they were so they were staying at a hotel for a month. They were getting away from the cities. I and see. They were shipping. They were shipping, you know, Amazon and Wine.com and Chewy and all this stuff 
Um, and I, I realized with all these, these smaller locations, smaller properties, you know, like a 30 room hotel, boutique hotels and stuff are reaching out to us. So uh, it helped me formulate our, our product uh, mm -hmm. even more than it's ever been. So we're creating a trip hero platform that's going to allow, uh, allow uh, any hotel to use us. Uh, it's going to allow any hotel to uh, get our, we're going to give our software to them for free. Uh, it's just part of, they become a software partner with us, uh, but our software will help them manage their shipping and receiving anything that goes out. They'll be able to use our platform to ship out, uh, you know, anything that's coming in, they'll be able to scan track and have insurance on all those items. Um, so that's the biggest thing me being on the ground for those, mm. you know, basically almost a year, um, allowed me to see. The, the problem in a refined way to offer a complete solution to different size properties uh, and different size resorts. Like I said, you know, uh, mm -hmm. going to Scottsdale soon. Uh, is that, uh, is that a re your revenue stream? Uh, do you make more uh, top line sales from hotels or more from the consumer or direct to consumer? Not even now. Pretty close. Yeah. Really, really, yeah. really. So that's about 50, 50. And are you going to build the software as a SaaS service and that's going to be an additional fee? What's your plan there? Yep. So it'll be a SaaS service. Uh, you know, any hotel that wants to use it, we'll partner with them, allow them to use the software. Uh, it will get them, you know, great rates on their shipping. Uh, it will provide them ways to track and scan every package that comes in. Uh, you know, I went to some big resorts. I won't name any names, but, uh, you know, world-class resorts, top five ski resorts. And they're still, they were still writing their stuff down when it came in. Right. Uh, and obviously that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of labor. So, digitizing that process for them is going to be super uh, for them as far as savings labor, as far as saving money and as provide as far as providing a better customer experience. Um, and then what it does for us, and it gives us access to be able to be present when their customer is experiencing the pain point of carrying their goods or shipping their items to and from a resort. And we get plugged right into that, that, that pain point. And rather than, you know, you know, trying to guess on, whether somebody will click our ad on Facebook, we're right there and we're, you get a trip person in your trip hero shirt and they're, can I help you, Mr. Smith? Let's shift this back for you. Mm, that's a, now you're a SaaS company. You didn't know you were going to be a tech company, did you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, now we're going to be a SaaS company. That's going to be, that's going to be exciting. And that's why we've been holding off on fundraising because obviously the valuations and things change. Uh, uh, we're going to last couple months of sprints on the software right now. Uh, but it's going to be really, really fun. And, you know, we're not going to get rid of the boots on the ground side of the business either, because I never want to become a pure SaaS company. Um, you know, I want to be, keep the defensibility of having the relationships in the resorts, keeping the defensibility of having uh, people on the ground to, to do those high level customer service, but also be able to have a wider footprint. Than, than what a great hey what what a great move i mean so we're we're both right as a, as a recruiting firm we're basically a service we're, we're, we're a service business right just like you were uh and people often i'll meet with our advisory board members and and folks and they'll say well you need a tech play you need a tech play what's your tech play what's your tech play you know, I always get that right and uh and what are you gonna do with your database and how can you make it a, a tech play for investors and an exit and uh, i always say look man i I don't know. We're busy displacing candidates right now. I don't know what our tech play is, <laughs> but here you are now you, you took a service business. that's already got value and traction and now you put the tech play in it. That could be, 
that could be a big time exit for Brandon uh, down the road here, my friend. Yeah, uh, we're, we'll we'll take that as it comes. Right now, just focus on getting the product and you know solving the problem, Ready. right? And we think <laughs> if the problem's big enough, right? It's, I mean, there's over seven hundred thousand hotels in the world. Uh, you know, if we can we can fix that problem and the shipping problem, you know, people are going to ship more and more. As happened during COVID, people ship mm. more and more. Um, but we feel good about being right on the forefront of that trend and having a niche that's small enough uh, to that's not small, but small enough for us, uh, our team to address. And it's, you know, not on the radar of any of the, the big guys. Cause it's like, you know uh, you know, it's just like found a perfect niche, you know, and, mm -hmm. and but mm -hmm. it's not, it's not small uh, great problem to solve, to be able to be, be able to solve. And it's going to take some time and work to solve it. And uh, so that's what we're excited about that. And, you know, everything else will fall into place if we solve the problems. That's, that's the, the major advice that any entrepreneur I always give is like, hey, you fix the problem. Like everything else will fall into place. Just mm -hmm. sure isn't that, isn't that true? It's great that you dove down to 1,000 feet, you know, from 30,000 feet to get into the weeds and drive the trucks and deliver the packages. That same thing happens to me. It's interesting, you know, as RiderFlex has grown and our recruiting firm has gotten bigger because when we first started, I was I was doing all the recruiting myself, right? And and now uh, uh, I just do oversight. I don't I don't handle hardly any. Uh, of the searches personally myself, but there are times where something, something will happen where I need to do a search or be involved. And every time I dive down to 1000 feet and, and do a search and get into the applicant tracking system and get involved in the weeds. Every time I, I go, Oh, okay. I didn't know that was doing that. Okay. Here's a process that needs to be changed. Okay. Yeah. That's not good. Let's fix that. So it's good, right? It's great for a CEO to do that. I think, I think more CEOs need to do that. Uh, and, and you just you learn so much, uh, so that that's great that you were able to do that. How many employees do you mind sharing? I don't know if you want to share how how big you are employee wise, or give us an idea. Yes, yeah, so we got like, uh, about twelve full time year round. Uh, okay. We ramp up based upon each resort timeline. So up to before COVID, we were like thirty six. We probably won't get back there quite yet, uh, but okay. you know, uh, probably about. I think we're anticipating around 25 total. Do you have to open up offices? If you, if you expand into these other cities and these other resorts, does that mean you have to have quote an office there or you just, you just have employees that are based there? What's your plan? No. So we actually work through the hotel that we're partnered with. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay, great. Is that how, is that weird? Like what, what if you have an employee that works out of a hotel they're not really the employee of the hotel manager, but what, what if you got an employee and I don't know, he gets an argument with Sally at the desk about something. And then, you know, the hotel manager is kind of telling your employee what to do. Does that ever happen? Anything, any, any messes like that? I'm just curious. We anticipating that that will happen at some point, but uh, yeah. you know, not yet. Uh, right, now, it's, right now it's been pretty tight knit. We're we'll able to, you know, we don't have a, a recruiting machine yet uh, okay. to, to okay. fill those big hotels. Uh, as we get more people, there'll be more, you know, challenges as far as individuals. Luckily, we haven't had that yet, but we're, we've got plans in place. And the key, again, and this is where we want to keep uh, kind of the trip hero uh, culture, is to keep those relationships and communications with our hotel and resort partners, mm -hmm. um, you know, clear and frequent. And uh, we want to know that they're th we're thinking that we want them to know 
that we're thinking of them, that we're trying to reach out. And hopefully that will curb a lot of the problems if we have mm -hmm. if anything like that ever came up. Mm -hmm. Because your employees are in their building all the time, right? I mean, basically. Yeah. Yeah, we try to make it so that you can't really even tell as much as, you know, it's a seamless experience for the guests. They don't know, you know, necessarily know that they see the Trip Hero shirt and they see the Trip Hero box, but they don't necessarily know that that's not, you know, that person doesn't work with the hotel and for the hotel. I see. I see. The Are you good? Yeah. For, Go the, ahead. for the hotel, it's important to have because how hotels are, especially when most of them are understaffed, like that shipping receiving person a lot of times gets pulled into other areas like housekeeping or driving or anything, but having it since trip here, since they're a trip hero employee, they can't get pulled into other directions. So it allows mm -hmm. them to focus. Mm -hmm. That's an important piece um, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. we provide is that, that, that little bit of uh, separation is enough to keep that task, the focus of that employee versus mm -hmm. if you're a hotel employee, you've got, you're, you're fixing whatever problem comes up. Mm, gotcha. You mentioned earlier you had a co-founder that uh, departed. So how many, uh, you still got one co-founder involved? You and you and one of the... There was, there was three of us at the beginning, uh, two co-founders. We, we kind of started the idea before any revenue and stuff. Um, and then a couple other ones came on. And, uh, you know, now through a result of mostly, you know, a lot of... Uh, Bethany, who was the co-founder... Uh, she had a couple daughters and she lives up outside of Steamboat and her dad, her husband is a rancher. So mm. um, that became hard with daycare and mm -hmm. all that stuff. So mm -hmm. she decided to, uh, you know, uh, move, step, step aside and, you know, still involved with. Uh, we have questions and she's an expert in customer service, things like that. But, you know, mm -hmm. day to day, uh, she's not running operations anymore. And Brandon is in charge. Brandon's running the company. Who's your second command? Like who's, who's, if Brandon's on vacation, who's in charge? <laughs> uh, Grant, Grant Register. Uh, Grant, I've known for a, a long time. He came on, he started out last year. So, uh, you know, in uh, 19, so two, sorry, two years ago uh, okay. now, uh, right before COVID, uh, you know, so he, he came up, he was running, initially just utah for us and okay. then he's now head of he's heading operations for us i see okay good good and you knew him from your past yeah he worked at, he was a uh, worked at Co uh Vail resorts as well okay. uh, and i knew him from through there okay okay great all right. Sounds good. And what about all these investors? Now, I'm assuming you don't have, I don't know how much of this you want to share. If you want to pass on this question, totally understand. I'm assuming you don't have control of the cap table yourself. I'm assuming that you, you could, you could technically be outvoted at this point based on all the investment. Is that accurate or no? Uh, no, I still have to, I still have pretty much control at this point. Oh, you, oh okay. Yeah. All right. So, so all the investors. Not much, at the longer. Not much longer, but. <laughs> Uh, keep control as long as you can, Brandon. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, you know, you know, just in case you ever go to one of those board meetings and they're like, "Yeah, we don't like that," and then you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have complete control long term. It's, uh, I think it's smart to not be able to be stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so if I want to do something or I'm too attached emotionally to a certain idea or whatever it is that you know. Uh, they could outvote me or at least make me aware that they're not happy in a yeah. significant way. Um, so, you know, being a dictator, 
I don't think it's a good idea for any business person. Good. But, good. Um, you know, having making it hard for them to overrule me is, I think, smart too. Mm. Um, you know, the, the vision's mine, and I and I think my investors know that. Um, and and uh, at this point, while we're still growing, I'm the best person to to do that to to pursue that vision because I'm the person. You know, it's it's my baby, right? It's it's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna mm-hmm. put the work in that nobody else would. I'm gonna you know not get paid since March of 2020 and still keep keep on working. Um, did you? Oh, did you cut your salary? Did you? Did you? Re, did you yeah. remove your salary? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so uh, the wife's not happy about that, but uh, <laughs> you know, that's that, that's the kind of thing right now. It, it's 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 important. You know, you have to you have to see and be invested enough in it um, to pursue pursue it, even when things like this happen, when things like COVID mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Does your wife work? Not right now. Not now. She worked for me uh, a little bit okay. last year. She moved in, which okay. was helpful uh, and great. Uh, but no, she's you know with the daycare situation, it's so hard uh, to even totally understand. Let let alone talk about a price like <laughs> you know. Are you back to paying yourself now? Not quite yet. Hopefully, the end of the year. <sighs> My friend, how are you living? What are you ramen noodles? What how? What? <laughs> no, we're, 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 we're decent. You know, the, like the PP money helped out a lot. You know, I had okay. some of the savings, uh, but for me, the focus was like trying to keep the team together as much as possible. So mm-hmm. kind of putting, uh, you know, them ahead, uh, you know, and then, uh, credit cards are helpful. Not living, not being, you know, not spending a lot of money and trying to be smart about that, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's I think it's going to be worth it long term because the problem is getting more and more acute. You are determined, and your amount of hustle is really impressive. The fact that you're halfway through this interview and your spirit and energy is great, and I just now found out you haven't been paying yourself, and you're you're still super positive is pretty cool. Well, what about what about competition? What don't I mean? Any chance for any? mergers acquisitions i don't know you got a couple of people out there trying to kind of do what you do what are your thoughts there yeah hopefully i know I, I you know one another a couple of my mentors that I, I speak with quite a bit are always like always stay in touch and uh keep communications open with your competitors uh so mm-hmm. we do uh do do that with several competitors i won't mention any names but uh we keep communications I'm, I'm i'm friendly with most of the ceos we talk month every month or two uh obviously don't share trade secrets etc but uh you know i think it's a smart play because this you know it's a huge market and um i think down the road there will be a, a chance uh someone's gonna win i hope it's us um but that's the cool thing about startups a lot, a lot of if you if you have a good enough idea and you're solving a real problem uh you're probably not going to go bankrupt. The worst case scenario is that you're going to get acquired by one of your competitors mm-hmm. and, you know, a private equity company will come in and consolidate the competitors. Um, if the space is big enough and if the problem's acute enough. So I think that's kind of where we are. I don't really, uh, no one's doing exactly what we do. Uh, and the, our competitors either, we're not doing exactly what they do. There's enough overlap, I think in the long term to maybe add some value by combination. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And again, hopefully we're the winner, but I know all the, uh, like I said, I know the other CEOs and other founders and they're, they're smart. 
they're hardworking, just like me. So uh, we'll see. Some of them have been on the Rider Flex podcast. You probably know that already. <laughs> um, yeah, I never know that. Yeah, they yeah yeah they have. But we don't have to mention names. Um, for the listeners right now, just just in case uh, you know people are like, okay, Trip Hero, what is that? Give it. Give us the the updated three minute elevator pitch on Trip Hero. Go for it. Yeah. So for customers, uh, for tra- leisure travelers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to skip the baggage claims, skip the lines, and make your trip to your resort as convenient as possible, we will pick up your items directly at your door. The next time you'll see them is in your room at your hotel. Uh, so a complete door-to-door service for the customer. Uh, for our partners, like you know, a hotel in a resort, we will take over your entire shipping, op- shipping and receiving operations, and we will save you at least twelve thousand dollars a year, or we guarantee that money back. Um, so we'll make your we're streamline and update with technology your whole shipping and receiving operations. Hmm. Mm. What what about Vegas? What if what if I want to use Trip Hero for I don't know some other city? Yeah, we could we could ship anywhere. Uh, right now we're at about twelve locations where we actually have people on the ground. Okay. But because we're partnered with FedEx, we can ship anywhere FedEx ships. Yeah, but if I go to Vegas and I, I want my stuff in my room, how does that happen? There's nobody there with a Trip Hero shirt on to make sure it gets to my room before I get there. No, so my favorite would be you ship to Vegas, then you tell them about Trip Hero. And you have them give them, tell them to reach out to Brandon Ford on the sales team. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay. Have you, have you, by the way, have you tried to penetrate that city for any action or no? Las Vegas? No. Uh, it's, it's kind of uh, one, one, one challenges. They have unions uh, that do the shipping and receiving part of the business. I, I see. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's one of the challenges. And most of them uh, have a, a robust shipping and receiving operation uh, for because they get so many groups and stuff. We think that's definitely down the road, uh, okay. but it's going to okay. be it, it, we're kind of uh, thinking more places like Scottsdale or Palm Desert or any mm-hmm. large ski resort, Jackson Hole, Whistler, uh, Kiowa Island, places like that where you have, uh, you know, not as big Vegas is on another scale of all this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now these guys that you got guys and girls, you got working for you in these hotels, I'm assuming, I mean, that's, you know, an entry level type position. I don't know if that's the right verbiage or not, but I mean, you know, these are, these are not management positions. So I'm assuming you're, you're not paying them a ton, which means they fall into that category right now across the country of people having a hard time, you know, businesses having a hard time staying fully staffed with these, with these level of employees. Uh, are you having trouble keeping these people, uh, finding these people, you know, are you running short staffed? What? So, so in the resorts, we're, we're, we're pretty lucky. I, you know, the old term, like people taking a year off to be a ski bum, you know, that's, yeah. so in the ski resorts and the even golf resorts, we find a lot of people like that. And then it's a, it's, it's, we actually pay pretty decently. You know, we're paying, we, we, before COVID, we were already paying $20 an hour or more. Okay. Um, so we were paying well. Um, and then, you know, the added thing of being a startup and then getting involved in that process. And, you know, at our stage, when we're growing, doubling and tripling every year, you can move up as fast as you want. <laughs> I see. So I see. We have, we, we have some advantages that, you know, a larger company would not have at this period, at, at this point. Because, you know, if we have an eager person that's willing to work a lot and willing to learn a lot, 
they can they can move up pretty quickly. And we have several people that started off as in a hotel just delivering packages, and within a year they were running a whole market. Mm, so okay, um, that, okay, great to know. Great yeah, to know. That's, that's, that's a good advantage that we have. I mean, that won't last forever as we scale, but as we're scaling for the you know next few years, that will be the case. What are you doing with some of these issues CEOs are facing right now with trying to mandate things or policies and rules on, on COVIDs and vaccinations and masks? And I, I see, see a lot of companies and CEOs trying to do this dance and figure out <laughs> what decisions to make. Uh, what's Trip Hero doing? Yeah, so that again, we're we're, we're in an advantageous spot on that because kind of basically we're able to piggyback, so to speak, off of the our, our larger partners. So okay. whatever brand we're partnered with, we kind of adopt the same policies I see. Uh, to make sure we're we're serving that. And then you know we did we did you know face mask and gloves and all that stuff for our drivers and delivery drivers. Um, and then uh, you know we haven't gotten into the uh, any of the mandates as far as uh, vaccinations yet. Luckily, everybody on the team decided to do it on their own. Um, and, you know, that's, we've been pretty lucky to not to have to encounter. You haven't, had to, you, haven't, you haven't had to be faced with 100 employees and 50 of them don't want to be vaccinated and 50 of them do. You haven't had to deal with that yet. <laughs> no, not yet, luckily. So that's good. some good things about being growing and small this this time <laughs> right now. So, uh, you know, I, I, I it would be a tough decision either way, you know, like, you know, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of evidence the vaccines are good. I've, I've, I've actually had my booster already. So, uh, gotcha. um, gotcha. You know, it's like that technology, that MRNA technology, it's one of, it's a game changing technology and it's being a entrepreneur nerd. Like I am, I actually followed it before uh. COVID. Um, so, uh, it could change, it could be game changing. So, um, I would I would uh, encourage anybody that's skeptical to read it's it while it is a new technology mm, mm. Uh, and that it just you know uh, received approval by the FDA mm. uh, last year you know like just recently right what it wasn't even a uh, couple what was it like a month or two ago mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it was fine. but but there, there's been research going on this for the last ten years so it's uh, it's not like it's just invented a month ago there's been <laughs> Again, research. Uh, so I feel personally comfortable, um, and I would point anybody to just read up on the mRNA technology and how it could basically really be game changing. It could be biggest polio vaccine. It could be bigger mm -hmm. than it could be up there with penicillin. Uh, mm -hmm. As far as I, you know, I, uh, I I'm like you. I have not been I've not been faced with uh, internally here at Riderflux. Haven't had to make any of these those those types of mandates or decisions because we all work remotely. Like we don't have an office. We don't see customers uh, face to face, right? So it's all it's all over Zoom. So I haven't had to deal with that. But I have had several uh, CEO friends call me and just talk it through, and they're trying to make the right decisions. They're trying to figure out, you know. With the best thing to do, and how to how to stay fully employed, and how to stay safe, and I just, yeah. you know, all of it. So I see I see a lot of CEOs uh, dealing with that right now. So uh, I'm I, I haven't had to. <laughs> yeah. I, I will tell you this now. I don't know if this has affected you. I have had this situation as a service business. We when we're trying to close new contracts with a client 
let's say we're meeting them for dinner or even even earlier on when people weren't meeting for dinner or whatever, but they were starting to ease into dinner and it was a gray area. We did. Uh, uh, we were faced with trying to figure out wh where the client was at before we got to the meeting. So we knew how to <laughs> behave yeah. and what to say. And, you know, because uh, uh, we made the mistake early on of not understanding what side of something a client, a prospect might be on. And then either me or my co-founder would say something that uh, didn't fit their, their uh, philosophy. And we're like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Never mind. Whatever. Never mind. What I meant to say was this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. It's it's tough. Yeah. Uh, it's I traveled a lot during COVID even, uh, you know, I was always careful, but I was, I, I, I think communication in these tough times is key, you know, mm -hmm. uh, not be, I, I used to ask people like, are you comfortable meeting a person or not? I was, yep. we started doing was, that. We started doing that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I started doing that. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, I think it's key just being over communicating and even being at the point where it's like, kind of like could be interpreted as being like, slow or you know not getting stuff very quickly but i would i just play dumb and let them kind of inform me on where that's what know. we do that's what we do we wait for them to inform us i think it was uh it was summer i guess right i don't, I don't know maybe it was july or august of 2020 and i had we had we had reached a major milestone with a client we had placed our hundredth person with this client, which, which for us was a big deal. We'd placed a hundred people there. So I was trying to celebrate, I was trying to celebrate it, you know, and I, I reached out to the CEO and I was like, Hey man, you know, congratulations. We placed a hundred person would love to come down to Denver and take you to happy hour and celebrate. And yeah, he, he was super offended that I even asked that question, you know, cause he was like, that's totally irresponsible. I can't believe you'd send me a note like that to invite me in person. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. I called my co-founder. I'm like, damn. Okay. We got to be more careful with how we communicate to your point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's, um, and that's yeah, unfortunate, I, I think unfortunate people take it. You know, people get angry about it. So it's another thing. You don't, in crisis, you don't get emotional either way. Like, that, yeah. So that's. Yeah. That's why, by, by the way, that's a, that's a good time. I wanted to ask you about this. This is actually kind of on my list for you. Um, what are your thoughts on CEOs and executives of companies going on social media and getting emotional or angry or taking a side on some topic? And I'm not just talking about COVID, like whatever, whatever the, whatever the hot button is for the month, you know, I don't know, you name it. Yeah. Uh, there's so many different topics you could, you could pick, right. That people scream at each other about on social media. What are your thoughts on CEOs doing that and, and taking sides on stuff and blasting it out on, you know, on, on Facebook or, or Twitter? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's, I think it can be good, but it can also be horrible. Right. So if you're, if you're, if the CEO or someone's going on something, uh, basically every, every month there's a new topic that person's communicating about and having an opinion about, um, I think that's dangerous, right? Uh, first of all, if you understand any, if you, you know, if any topic is going to be more detailed and more in depth than you can get on Twitter, right? right? You understand on Twitter, right? Uh, 
So now a person that has one or so one or two or three topics that they're really well versed in, they really understand, they've really well done done the research, they've got the information, then I think it's great, right? You know, because that we need stewards of that, especially with you know our government not being able to get anything done <laughs> a lot of times. So <laughs> I think it could be there's a lot of power in doing things like uh, you know uh, helping kids in college and training and work, work training and things like that. If, if it's their ver if the, their sphere, but now if you're, if you're getting on something, uh, you know, you're a CEO of a car company and you're talking about the COVID vaccine and people shouldn't take it because they, and how, how does a CEO of a car company know anything about medicine? Right. So <laughs> pick your battles is what I would say. Uh, yeah. if there's something, if there's something that you're really passionate about and you're really knowledgeable about, I think it's, 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 it's fine. And it's actually good. Uh, cause okay. no matter what you do, we are a leader. We, you, you're a leader. You can't, you can't, can't deny that you're, you're a founder of any company. People are going to look up to you. Your employees look up to you and depend on you for their well being. So you're a leader by de facto. So, mm. but, um, you know, don't try to be an expert at everything. If there's right. some things that are passionate about you are passionate about, then you know take it up. But like, I wouldn't be jumping into battles that I don't know anything about. And to that point, I want to pile on there and just say, uh, and don't don't use the topic of the month uh, as a reason to just post because you just you're just trying to get eyeballs on the brand. So every month, whatever the topic is, you're gonna pick your side yeah. and scream about it just to get the marketing hit, which I think there's a lot of that going on. I, yeah. I really think, I think, I think a lot of it. Is. That could come back to haunt you really, really quickly. That's right. Because the topics change and social media and whatever you said lasts forever. So if uh, you know, if, if the hot topic of the month is the color yellow versus the color purple and you scream that yellow is an awesome color and then Two months later, yeah. it finds out the yellow is a poisonous color. You're going to look pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's, that goes back to being well-versed and really educated about something. Mm -hmm. uh, and like for, for instance, with COVID, I would say, I would say personally, I'm comfortable because I did quite a bit of research mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. vaccine, but I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be, you know, telling other people what they should do. Cause mm -hmm. I haven't, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm not a, you know, I'm not the head of the National Institutes of Health or the FDA. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pick your battles. And if there's something you're passionate and knowledgeable about, uh, then I think it's, it's good because again, we're leaders, but you know, you can't be knowledgeable about everything either. What do you do when you have a client that, uh, like a big client or a big investor that's just screaming about something, a topic, you know, like I'm, when I say screaming, like you and him are in private or you and her are in private or whatever. And they're just pounding you about, you know, there's chewing on your ear about whatever it is. And it's something that you don't necessarily personally agree with, but they're a huge client. Are you just, are you just kind of like, you know, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I got to go. See ya. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I again, I, I think this is where my background and comes in and it makes it easier for me than most. Like I've been through different social circles and I've seen what's important to yeah. different people. So I don't really judge people on that kind of stuff. Um, mm. But everybody makes mistakes. Uh, you can't you can't become great at anything or help anybody unless you're willing to make mistakes. So that's the one thing I do. Um, I am worried about with the culture, the cancel culture, et cetera. 
is that people are going to be will, unwilling to make mistakes, you know, unwilling to meet new people, uh, mm. you know, and, and things like that. So like uh, being more forgiving personally is always a good, good trait. Uh, and being less judgmental personally is always a good trait. Um, and uh, I don't, I think, I hope those traits don't go by way of the past. That mm. makes sense. Really good stuff, Brandon. Could not agree more. I've done several podcast episodes on this. We've had several executives on the show say very similar things to what you just mentioned. I don't know how, well, I guess maybe it's the algorithms or whatever from the social media pieces, but we've gotten into this, this society where everybody's just mad at each other all the time and they can't just have a civil conversation and I, I've yes. been saying now for the last 12 months, like, hey, guys, it's okay to just talk about something. And if you like yellow and I like purple, that's cool. We can still have a beer together. It's not like we don't have to be enemies. We don't have to hate each other. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's a middle way. Yeah, it, gray is okay. That's what I was saying earlier on a, on a podcast with somebody else. I said, you know, the color gray is okay. It don't have to be black or white every time. Like, it, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, and I have no problem saying I don't really have an opinion on something because right, right. Like, yes. I'm not going to form an opinion if I don't know anything about the topic. That's great point. That's another thing I feel like we've gotten into lately is, is this, is this world where everybody, uh, when you get on their, their, their social media or whatever, they, they're almost pushed to like pick, pick a side on something. I was like, no, you don't have to, especially if you're not informed on it. By the way, the cancel culture thing, the the, the censorship deal uh, and cancel culture, however you want to verbalize it, you know, we I have to be somewhat conscious of that with a podcast, right? Because I'll bring a guest on. It's it's crazy. I think it's crazy for me to have to worry about that. Uh, you know, uh, I'll bring a guest on and I'll go, okay, uh, well, if we talk about a certain thing, you know, I don't know, is YouTube going to turn us off? Or is, is, is Twitter going to turn us off if, if we talk about this or that? And uh, and I can't have just a regular free flowing conversation and I got to be somewhat, uh, careful about it. I, I worry about that. I, I have major concerns over the, over the cancel culture of censorship thing that, that really scares me personally. I don't mind saying that on the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I you know, my wife or I'll be talking to a friend of mine. I'm like, Hey, you know, COVID doesn't scare me. I'll tell you what scares me right now. This, this censorship cancel culture thing. That's what's scaring me. That's making me super nervous uh, that, that people can just get turned off and I get the whole thing, right? I understand private companies, blah, blah, blah. I've heard the arguments on both sides a million times. And I'm kind of like you, like, I don't know what the right answer is. Cause I really don't. I just know what scares me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, a little bit. Again, being open and forgiving and empathetic towards people can't go wrong, right? Like, right. And the big problems that we uh, face as a society, as companies, uh, aren't going to get solved without having dialogue. Uh, I totally agree. And, and it, 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 that's what we're lucky as business people, right? Like, we can't just make an opinion without having the data. Our business would go under in weeks if we did that. So, having that training of like taking in all the, you know, what's going on on the ground, really what's happening, what the numbers mm -hmm. are behind it, et cetera, mm -hmm. being able to do that, um, I think gives us good training um, to be able to address some of these issues where a lot of other people don't have that skill. If you can run a startup and be a successful business and increase revenue 
and get through COVID. I mean, all these CEOs that made it through COVID, especially in the hospitality service business, like you did. I mean, now you got like this extra little badge, like you got this extra little little medal on your, your chest, right? You get like a, a, a different, an, an extra stripe because you got through that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. yeah congrats. Congratulations. Uh, so we feel very blessed here at Riderflex as well for getting through the whole thing. And, and, uh, now business is great for us. We've been through a lot over the last, uh, 18 months. Haven't we, my friend? <laughs> oh man, it's a totally different world. Uh, and it, the hope is that we can learn from it, not just as a business, but as a country, as a society, as a world, as a, you know, et cetera, uh, and be better because of it. Like this, Viruses aren't going away, right? So, um, you know, having this experience, um, if if we get, we can learn from it, you know, take it as take it as that. You know, one of the things I think we uh, and we did it internally as a team um, is really focused on our health um, and w- working out and getting in better shape, eating better. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. I mean, once we look back, I think that's going to be a big factor. Um, on the people that were severely affected by COVID. Uh, Agreed. You know, and, and so taking it, you know, every problem, again, we were trained as a entrepreneurs and founders, every challenge is an opportunity. So um, I hope we do that and look back at this is like what the challenges were and how we opportunity. The fact that we had the vaccine as fast as we had, amazing. Uh, you know, things like that, uh, you know, so, and I always try to take the good, and, and it really highlight the good uh, of what mm-hmm. happened. I think mm-hmm. we there's some things you know that we can look back and that were really good on how we, as a society, even uh, responded. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, my friend, congrats on getting it to where you you have it right now. For the listeners, by the way, gotriphero.com. Gotriphero.com. I, by the way, I like some of the verbiage you got on the website now. I, I think it's been redone and, and dressed up a little bit since I looked at it last time. I like some of the little yeah. little tagline, some of the, some of the verbiage and stuff looks catchy. I like it. I like nice. it. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's yeah. But that's what we were able to do a lot of that stuff that kind of we're, we're, we were moving too fast to do in the past, and mm-hmm. we're able to really get a strategy around uh, the next three or four years. It's good. Your website, uh, in my opinion, your website is fun and professional at the same time, like, like kind of, kind of cool and fun and catchy slash professional all at the same time, not too stuffy, not too crazy. Right. Right. Perfect. Right in the middle. I think it makes you, it makes you want to sign up. I like it. I like, I like what you've done with it. You go trip You can also look up Brandon Ford, of course, on LinkedIn. If you, if you want to Brandon J Ford on LinkedIn, and you can go back and listen to our first interview on the Rider Flex podcast and learn more about how he overcame several hurdles when he was younger and growing up and going through school. Is your core purpose still a life without baggage claim? A world without baggage claim. Yep. <laughs> I remember you yep. said that. Life without yep. baggage claim. Hey, I, I hate baggage claim. Well, first of all, I, I don't really like flying, period. But I, I sure as hell don't like standing in line to check my bags or waiting to get my bags. I love what you're doing. I, I think it could be way beyond tourist spots and ski resorts yep, you know <laughs> yeah i think you know that's that, that's our goal is you know uh like you said uh, like you said with the website's fun and professional that's how your trip should be right it should be fun but smooth and organized and professional uh and that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're trying to we're trying to portray in the website so 
I'm glad you were able to recognize that. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, we don't think in 10 years that you'll be schlepping your stuff. Um, and we could go into, you know, the new planes, the smaller planes that they're coming out that are electric and all that and hyperloops and you're not gonna be able to take bags on any of that. Right. Uh, so having yeah. a way for you to get, uh, your stuff ahead or with you in a quick way, uh, efficient, uh, you know, saving energy, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think we're at a good spot and we're on the right side of a lot of trends um, and just more efficiency is going to be the credo for, you know, as we, you know, battle climate change, et cetera. Um, I think it's all, we can, we can do it. It's a matter of, uh, you know, doing your little mark. And I think Trippier is going to be able to do that. I, I agree. We're going to look back. I think we'll look back. Your, your daughter, I think you said this actually in the first interview, your daughter, matter of fact, you did. You brought this up. Your daughter will probably be watching TV. Like, she'll be watching an old movie, and she'll be like, what are those carousel things with those bags? And I'm like, well, what the hell is that? Like, people, people actually, like, went to the airport with their bags? That's dumb. Why were we doing that? <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah, that's that's where it came from. One of my uh, first investors and good friends uh, was like, you know, Brandon, in 10 years when uh, my daughter's watching Home Alone for the first time, uh, and she, she sees people that they were, they find out, remember they lost Kevin at the baggage plane. Right. She'd be, be like, daddy, why would anybody take their bag on a plane? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's probably, that's probably yeah. where we're headed. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, my pleasure. And great to talk to you. And, uh, thanks for having me again.